Now, I know Mother's Day can bring a, a wide range of emotions. Uh, for instance, I'm aware that some of you may have lost your mom recently and that it's a bittersweet day. Others of you have longed to be a mother, but God hasn't given you that opportunity uh, f- for such a time as this. But know this, whatever situation you find yourself God absolutely loves and values you and walks with you through the journey he has brought you on. For those of you that are in the middle of the throes of motherhood, I salute you. My family and I watched two times this weekend a movie called The Sandlot 2. Don't bother, it's not nearly as good as the original. But at the very end of the movie... The the narrator is explaining all the different things that each member of this little club went off and did when they grew up. And one became an astrophysicist, one became an Olympic gold medal winner. But the two that he highlighted the most were the two women, the two young ladies that grew up and became parents to three kids each, thus successfully doing the hardest job known to man. Moms, you are amazing. I don't know how you do it. And I am thankful for each of you. If you are a mother this morning, would you stand up? We have a special gift for the moms of AIC. So moms, would you please stand up and rise and let us call you blessed. There we go. At some point, youth, you need to actually pass them out. There we go. Good job. Youth, you need to make your way through. Moms, stay standing until the youth have been able to pass it out. We're getting there. You'll see an explanation of the gift you've received uh, within it. It's very special uh, treat for us to be able to present these for you and from where they're from, uh, you'll see on the inside. So it's a special day for us. Again, moms, you who fear the Lord and teach your children to do the same and follow hard off after them, after God, you are a blessing and we praise God for you. I'm going to pray for you, and as I do that, I'll invite Frida Chung to come up, and she'll read our scripture for us in just a moment. But Lord, thank you for these women. You have given them such a gift, and they love you, and they follow you, and Lord, we just thank you for their obedience to you. We pray that you would strengthen them for each day of the journey of motherhood, some have children that are not with them here in Hong Kong. May they know of your love regardless of the miles that separate. For all of our mothers today, we ask that they would be encouraged and that we, the family of God together, would call them blessed and would encourage them each day. In your name I pray, amen. This scripture reading is taken first from Luke 9, verses 23 to 27. 
Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Thank you, Frida. In that vein of today being Mother's Day, it's always one of those days where I find that mothers in particular will look back at pictures of their children as they've grown up and think, my, how fast the time has gone by, how fast you've grown, right? Uh, Twelve years ago, uh, our oldest was born and it's like, wow, she's, well, she turns 12 this week and that's an amazing thing and it's so so quick, it feels like in one sense. But then in other days, you wonder if it's ever going to stop. You wonder if they're ever hearing anything you say to them. And we've been going through this series called Awesome Faith, where we look at ordinary people following hard after God. And the thing about discipleship is that it's a growth process. And in the first week, we've looked at these four chairs that you kind of sit in and get active uh, throughout the journey of discipleship. And that first chair, when you sit there, you've been invited to come see who is Jesus. Come take a look at him. You know, just explore, be curious. That's a healthy thing. And as you come to know and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you begin that journey of growth. And we talked a a bit about what it takes to grow in Christ and what we heard as as we considered that, and hopefully your children quizzed you on last week if you had kids, was first the idea that a disciple, somebody growing in Jesus Christ knows who they are. Their identity is secure in Christ. The second thing we learn is that a, a growing disciple in that chair too 
learns to walk. They learn to speak the things of God. They learn to talk about him while when they rise and when they sit down. And they learn to tell their story. They learn to talk about him. They learn to walk. They don't need everyone else's help to guide them every step of their spiritual journey. They realize that they have to take responsible for walking with God. And they, they learn to do that by spending time in his word, by growing in discipleship with others, and by following with him. So they walk, they talk, they know who they are, they feed themselves. You know, one of the amazing things, and I heard a testimony, Pastor Stan was sharing this morning about a woman in our Saturday fellowship that came to know Christ in March. And after she came to believe in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, she'd noticed something different as she read the scriptures. They made more sense to her than they ever had before. And you know, that's not because she's suddenly smarter. It's because as she follows the Lord, we know that she's been given the Holy Spirit who's teaching her, who's showing her, who's helping her walk along life's merry way as the old song, the old hymn goes. And that's the amazing thing. We grow and we hunger and thirst for God's words. And not only that, but we also learn to clean ourselves. We understand the great need there is for repentance and for being transparent in how we live, not to show everybody how great we can sin, but to show everyone how dependent we are on Jesus Christ to help us each day of the week, each day of the year. You get the idea. Growth takes work. If you think about it, when we think about, well, how, how do I get better at things? Well, you know, corporations have always fascinated me with their ideas of what professional development looks like. And you see it across the board, depending on what kind of uh, scenario you find yourselves in. Uh, I found one time I was helping advise a friend that worked for a bank, and he was trying to help his, his workers become more globally focused. So they arranged to go build homes with Habitat for Humanity in the Philippines. And that was their idea of professional development. I've heard of others that their form of professional development is you have to tick off a number of classes you go to or take a test each year showing you've learned something new. Uh, you know, accountants often have to stay abreast of what the new tax codes are and keep up on those things. So they need to grow. They need to learn. Well, Mike, what about you? What does a pastor have to do? Well, thankfully, the book doesn't change much. But the time spent in it continues to increase as we learn and we grow and we learn who our people are. And we want to communicate messages that communicate an eternal truth in a way that you can understand. You know, a survey was done a few years ago uh, by an Asian group of pastors that worked in international settings. And they asked their congregants, it wasn't our church, we weren't a part of the survey, but they asked their congregants, in any given Sunday, since many of you don't speak English as your native language, how much of the sermon do you understand? And if that is any but accurate today, I know that those of you that might speak Kiwi or Australian or British, all those Englishes that don't make any sense to me, you're only understanding half of what I say. So the thing is, as we grow, we seek to learn how to communicate the eternal truths of God in a way that makes sense for the people we find ourselves with doing life together. Which brings us to chair three. 
Chair three is that maturing disciple that is called to do the work of God. Hopefully from the moment you've accepted Christ, your life and your perspective have changed and how you look at things is different. But by the time you've grown in your walk with Jesus to the point where he is Lord of every bit of your life, your life begins to change radically. Priorities that you used to have, they're just not quite the same as they used to be. Things that would upset you previously uh, aren't as upsetting. Things that didn't upset you previously, the brokenness of man, the plight of humankind and where the wealth gap is so great, these things hurt you not because you're just upset, but because you long for people to have hope in Jesus Christ and have all they need and you understand that the church is called to be part of that. So we start today as we dive in. If you look at your sermon notes, we've, we've called today's message going after Jesus or go after Jesus. What does it look like to really be all in? That's a very American saying, I know. But to really be completely sold out, completely identified with and completely focused on honoring God in everything you do and say by growing to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, there's a few things I want to get out of the way first. You cannot do this on your own. Just as no matter how much we read the Bible, without the teaching of the Holy Spirit and without others to help us grow, it still will be a confusing thing. But we need the Holy Spirit to teach us. In the same way, it is the Holy Spirit that helps us grow deeper in love with him and more like Jesus and transforms us and opens our eyes to ways we might be able to develop further that we never expected before. One of the things I've found that happens in church life often is we get so frustrated on what's going wrong that we miss all of the opportunity we have before us to move forward. And it's a slight difference, but it's massive in our understanding of how we be the church. Because what happens is if you're presented with an opportunity or a problem, which one are you going to be more excited about? Right. Most of us like opportunity, and most of us hear of another problem and think, that's another problem to be solved. Yet when we approach Christianity, we often look at all the things that we've done wrong, that they've done wrong, that the church has done wrong, And we miss out on the very opportunity that Paul wrote for to me to love as Christ and to die as gain. For to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I consider everything a loss, but for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's either a problem for you or a tremendous opportunity. It's all in how you see it. For me, on most days... I hope it looks like an opportunity because there is nothing greater than following Jesus. Jesus has never disappointed me. He's taken me places I didn't expect to go. Situations haven't always gone the way I'd hoped they would, but Jesus has never failed me. And the more of my life I give him, the more at peace I am with the situations he's placed us in. Because my confidence, that identity that we learned about in chair two, continues to develop into chair three, where we don't spend so much time fighting for our rights. We spend time looking for opportunities to bless, love, and serve others. Because that's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ.
What does that look like? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know I am a huge fan of the, the, the man Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but he writes at the very beginning of his most famous work, The Cost of Discipleship, and this is what he says. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen because I forgot to put those words in my notes. Or maybe not. Okay, we've already counted this. If Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, then we have counted the cost. We've said, God, here I am. It's all yours. If we've done that, this is what it looks like. Bonhoeffer, this is the very beginning paragraph of his book, The Cost of Discipleship. So he doesn't wait a few sentences to get you involved. Right off the bat, on the first page, the cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. Many people look at following Jesus like that. Like, I'm not ready to give God all of my life because once I do, I'll not have any more fun. Nothing will ever be good again. I will become a martyr that's still alive. Life will just be miserable. And if this is what we look like as a Christian, we're doing it wrong. Did you know that? If you look miserable, you're doing it wrong. Because the cross meets us at the beginning of our communion, our attachment to the person of Jesus Christ. When Christ calls a man, he, calls, he bids him come and die. Die to yourself. Die to the affections of this world to be made new and alive in Jesus Christ. To be made full of the joy set before Jesus that there is meaning in this world, that yes, your, your kids didn't do a very good job of honoring you on Mother's Day. It's clear they forgot until it's 7.30 this morning, and that doesn't make you feel great. But Jesus is still Lord of your life. He is still in control, and he is still the king. You can be disappointed with your, ki- your kids, no doubt, but he does, they don't demand your disposition. God does. There is a joy to a disposition, to an attitude that says, God, you have all of me, and I'll go where you lead me. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is saying. He's saying a life that is all in for Jesus Christ is a life that says, I want nothing but Jesus, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to know him. As Paul said, I can everything else a loss but for the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Over the next few minutes, I also want to unpack another lie that the church often believes, that to be a good Christian, you have to do more. That is not at all what the Apostle Paul said. That is not how Jesus intimates things. It is always clear, as we saw in the story, and we'll, we'll unpack this as we go on this morning, Martha was very busy, much like you. But it was Mary that was sitting at the feet, enjoying fellowship with her Savior. And it's that priority that we long to live for. And so, if we've counted the cost, if we are all in for Jesus Christ, we've said, yes, Lord, I'm yours And whatever this world has is nothing compared to the greatness of knowing you. And I want you and you alone. And then everything else will filter through you. Then we begin to change our perspective on things. And as we open up our Bibles to Luke 9 and 10, 
we see all sorts of pictures given in these two chapters. It was this, it was as if Luke wanted to do as best he could. That's why they're long chapters. But in these two chapters, it was as if he's saying, I'm going to try to squeeze everything I can to let you see what Jesus was teaching about spiritual formation, about the need to have faith in God, the need to faithfully follow him, the need to trust him, the need to let a relationship with him guide and direct us, and the need to have our priorities in order. So Dan Spader, the writer of the book Four Chair Discipleship, and he's been teaching this long before he wrote this book, Four Chair Discipling, uh, because back when I would lead youth ministries, we would talk about this. And interestingly, if you ever applied for a job at Alliance International Church, and I give your friends or your former employers a reference form, I ask the basic general questions that everybody answers and says the best things they can think of about their friends. And then the the referee looks back and says, well, that doesn't really help me. But you know the most honest answers I've always gotten? Every staff member in the past five years that has come into AIC, the references have have been asked these questions. To the best of your ability, would you rate on a scale of one to five? Is the person applying for this job available to God to go wherever he might lead them? Second question, to the best of your knowledge, is this person on a scale of one to five faithful in their love of Christ and their desire to follow him? Third, is this person teachable? Can they be told they're wrong? And are they eager to learn how to grow in their, in their relationship with God and help others to do the same? Fourth, are they enthusiastic and encouraging? Self-explanatory. Fifth, are they responsive? When God is at work, are they going where he moves or are they saying it has to be this way? And so when you apply to work at AIC, that's, that's the heart of the reference form. And that tells us really the heart of the people we've got. And I am proud to say I work with a team full of people that are going hard after Jesus. So today for a few minutes, we want to look at what does it mean to be available to Jesus Christ and then faithful, teachable, edifying, encouraging, and enthusiastic and responsive. So let's look in your Bibles. Luke nine twenty three. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to die soon. And the disciples, we get the picture that they don't like that. We also get this picture that Jesus is trying to remind them of what it means to follow him. And this is what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He says, follow me. Now, the thing about following somebody is if you're really following them, you have to be close enough to know where they're going, correct? You have to be with them. Is that true? It's hard to follow somebody if you can't see them. Am I right? Well, to do that, you have to be available. So let's take an inventory, shall we? You're going to love this. How many times in the past week have any of us, and please don't raise your hands. This is just just you and the Lord. I'm too tired or I just don't have time for you right now, God. Now, maybe you haven't said those words out, but your Bible sits on your nightstand or your iPhone or God forbid an Android device 
sits with the Bible app unopened because you're busy doing other things. But then you go off and you say, why am I not feeling the presence of God in my life? And I got to come back to, well, are you available to him? Are you making time for what's truly important? Or are you busy doing other things? (laughs) I read a great article because it touched a nerve on about a billion different ways about an independent coffee shop in New York City. New York City is one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, Two, coffee is my favorite beverage in the world. And three, I love what this shop has done. This shop is called Hot Black. I don't know where it is in New York, so if you can find it and bring me some of their coffee, I would love that. But recently, they made a huge decision that proved to be a little unpopular at first and then massively popular. They unplugged their Wi-Fi router. Let me say it again. Hot black coffee in the middle of New York City unplugged the public Wi-Fi router. There is no longer free Wi-Fi in this coffee shop. How dare they? Do you not know what the very point of a coffee shop is so that people can sit together and never look at anything but their screen? The owner and president's response to the question, why'd you do it, was simple. He said, and and now they're considering barring devices from coming in. You have to put your device in a box when you come in. I don't know that they're going to do that one, but they're considering it. He said, we wanted people to talk to each other. And we found that when the devices were present, they weren't. And so we said, no, no more Wi-Fi. And he said, you know what's been the big change? Our coffee shop is so loud. And it's great. People are interacting with each other. He said, we even heard somebody say the other day about how it was great to make eye contact again. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means there's a way with which we make, where we take up our cross and we follow him and we are present with him. We disconnect the Wi-Fi. We shut off the devices of the world and we say, here I am, Lord, teach me. And in the same breath, because when you get to chair three, there's two parts to it. There's the internal part and the outworking part. And when you look at the other side of availability, and this one I can struggle with because there's a lot of things floating in the air that you try to keep up. But are we available to other people that might need us? Or does that task get the best of us and we're just too busy? Or does our very demeanor give us the look that we're too busy to talk to other people because it would be inconvenient because my agenda says I've got to get this done right now. As we go back to chair two, remember, or chair one, Jesus sat down at the well with the woman. One, she was a woman. Two, she was a Samaritan. And three, he was Jesus. And he had a real conversation with her that changed her life. Are we asking God to make us available for others that they may see Christ in us, the hope of glory? The second thing we see as the scriptures point out and as as Dan gives us a great acronym for is the idea that we are called to be faithful to the call. Now, 
it's easy for us to, to get caught up in saying that God has a specific plan and will for each of you. But the faithful to the call that I talk about here is not that specific call to each of you that might be different depending on you. I have been called to be a pastor. You have not. Well, most of you have not. But you have been called to serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others as he has first loved you, and in so doing, to make disciples. These are general calls. We've all got them, and we are called to be faithful to them. There's never a day when we get to say, I'm not supposed to love God. There's never a day when we get to phone it in and say, I'm not going to love others today. I'm not saying we don't do it. I'm saying we're not supposed to. There's never a day when we're not supposed to look at others and say, how can I spur them on in their walk with Jesus? But I don't feel qualified today, Mike. Yeah, me either. I'm with you. So let's grow together. But I've made so many mistakes in the past. Okay, well, today is day one. His mercies are new every morning. We will be faithful by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ who made a path for us. We will move forward. Our identity is in Christ, not in our past failures. We will be faithful. In the span of a few months, if all things go according to plan, AIC is supposed to have a new main location at Butterfly Valley at the new international school. And we're supposed to be able to open our doors wide to a community, many of whom have never heard the name of Jesus or chosen to follow him. And we have a wonderful opportunity. Shortly thereafter, we're going to follow that up by replanting a church right here. And as you look around, we're like, we're not that big to do that. Yeah, but God is. And we will be faithful to the opportunities he's given us. We will not run away from them. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know how we're going to staff it. And I don't know how all the details are going to work out. I've got a lot of ideas. You should see the notebooks I've got full of stuff. But as we work through and we think about every detail from lighting to projectors, hey, have you noticed? You can see this side over here. Look, it's so pretty. But somebody was faithful to the task they'd been given and made that happen. Little things and big things. And in all of those things, we seek him first. And as we begin to be a multiplying church, which we already are individually and in small groups and in other ways, and as the church itself multiplies, we will be faithful to the call of God on our lives. And that call is simple. Love him, love others, make disciples. Yeah? I hope we get more excited as this goes on. But here's the thing about being faithful. We are faithful to a person, not just to the task. We must not mess up the order. Martha was being very faithful. Sure, the house needed cleaned. Sure, the food needed prepared. But she lost sight of knowing Jesus. We can't lose sight of knowing Jesus because we're so busy doing the tasks of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, just that very thing. People that are involved in ministry at their workplaces where they're serving God wholeheartedly, yet they're just tired because they've forgotten that knowing Jesus is the most important thing. And out of knowing that we are his and out of the strength the Holy Spirit gives us, it is then that we act 
in the ways he's led us to act. It's not the other way around. We don't act first and then spend time knowing God. If we do, we've gotten it backwards and we've become moralists. In other words, we we seek to be good on our own. And the model that Jesus paints, look at 926. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Well, the assumption is those who aren't ashamed are proud to call themselves sons and daughters of the Most High God, called to be followers of Jesus, disciples of the way. But listen carefully to the order with what Jesus says this. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words. The person and the actions that follow. Faithfulness draws us to a place of reliance upon Jesus in all we do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to then do what he's called us to do in the order he wants us to do it. It wasn't that Martha was wrong in doing things. She just missed the opportunity to be with Jesus. As we often can. If I asked you right now what's going through your mind, I bet you I'd get all sorts of answers. Can we just be with Jesus for a few minutes? Or are we busy doing other things? (laughs) I want to give you an insight into my mind of how easily distracted I am and that I'm with you in this journey. We have a couple of machines in the back and one of them beeps. And once the worship service starts, in my mind, we should just be here with God. Like that's my thing and I'm not trying to guilt anybody. But every time I hear that little beep, it drives me nuts. And I am taken out of a place of worship because I choose. Nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing anything wrong but me. I allow myself to get distracted by the beep, which now I woke you up. Because I'm thinking about that. Is it a big deal? No. I'm easily distracted because I think I should fix this. See, we get like that. Instead of just enjoying the fellowship of the saints, communion with God together. And if you need a glass of water, by all means, get one. I will be fine. Next. We move over to Mary, verse 39 of chapter 10. And in verse 39, we see she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Just think about that. Remember when you were in like preschool or kindergarten or whatever you called it, prep, and you had to go sit at the feet of your teacher as she read you the story or taught you the letter A, and you just looked up And they were so big and they were so amazing and they were great teachers and you loved being there. I still remember Mrs. Zeckman. I think she was my first grade teacher. And at that point, she seemed really tall. But I would sit at her feet and I would learn from her. Do we do that in in the metaphorical sense with God? Do I just take his word and do I find some place and just sit with him and let him teach me? Or do I get involved in my community group or in a discipleship class and sit under the teaching of others that have learned and grown in amazing ways and have something that I can learn from? Do I find ways to do that? Or in my commute, do I find podcasts that draw me into fellowship and communion with him? 
you get the idea. Are we teachable? Or what about when we need to grow? When we, the church family, need to grow? If someone invites you to develop and grow more, is your automatic response one of defensiveness or one of, oh, Lord, soften me and help me to grow in this area? It's not about me. It's about you and how I can be made to be more like you. Because church is a place where we are called to teach others to be more like Jesus. And teaching involves discipline. It's part of what the church is to do. Now, the discipline's objective isn't to hurt you. It's to draw you closer to the presence of God. The ambition of any sort of church discipline that goes on is that we are helping people get back or get further than they ever have in their relationship with the living God through the person of Jesus Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we would do whatever it takes to help you come home. If you want to know what it means to come home, go on our website and listen to the series called on Hosea. And that's all about God's shepherding heart for a people to come home to him. He invites us home, but we have to be willing to listen. I was told a story this day and I, I'm trying to use less illustrations of my kids, but this one was so good I couldn't help but share it. And we want, we want our kids to be teachable. We want to be teachable. And my, uh, apparently my wife had spoken to one of our children and given them exact instructions to which that child answered, yes, I will do this, and answered the question. And then two minutes later, my wife followed up and said, did you do what I asked? And the answer was, what'd you say? You repeated it out. I, How often are we like that in the word of God? How often are we like that? We're just that nearly teenager, however old they are. Sorry, you guys in these areas. I love you. (laughs) But you don't always listen to me like right now. You're only listening because I'm looking at you. I know that. And by the way, the one one of you that is my child, this illustration isn't about you. You're safe. But here's the thing. When we're teachable, we're able to slow down and truly listen to the word of God. If it's spoken from someone else, we're listening to what God might be saying through them. If it's spoken from his word, we're camping out on it. I had our staff uh, and our governing committee and elders are all memorizing a passage of scripture. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing yet. That comes at the GC meeting in two weeks. There's your hint. There will be a quiz. But as I've thought about 1 Peter uh, 4, 10, and 11, and I've thought about that in everything we do, God is to be glorified because we use our gifts to serve him. We speak as speaking oracles of God. We do all these things, and it's to his glory and his dominion. And everything in our life says, if I'm teachable, what it's doing is really shaping me to make sure that people in any situation see that Christ is Lord of everything, and he's worthy to be followed, even if nothing else makes sense. When I'm teachable, I'm soft. When I'm soft, I'm not only able to learn what God might have for me in awesome faith, but also how I might care for others that haven't quite gotten there, but I can bring them along with us. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're teachable, we're soft. I love the picture that you get in verse 25 of chapter 10. Not 25. I've lost my spot. Anyway, the picture you get of Mary and Martha. Mary was enthusiastically sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she was listening intently to his words. And I wonder if we're that excited about following Christ now. Really, that's it. Take a report card on yourself. Are you enthusiastically focused on the right things? Or do the concerns of the day, whatever they are, and trust me, in a room like this, there's a big list. But are we truly excited about the right things? And when we're enthusiastic about the right things, we begin to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 situations. Because this is what this says. If we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, we know that God is faithful. That's 23. And then what happens is we enthusiastically follow hard after God. We consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. We need to do that. We need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And that's done best together. And at the same time, encouraging one another as we wait for Christ to return, as we see the day approaching. So that E in this going after Jesus is huge. First, Mary was enthusiastically listening to Jesus. In the same breath, let's give Martha some credit here. She was enthusiastically cleaning because she wanted everything perfect for her Lord. Her attention was just focused a little bit off. Her attention wasn't on the relationship, it was on the task. And when we get over to the idea of an enthusiastic follower that encourages, we realize that when we're enjoying fellowship with God, when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, we can, the Bible calls it exhort, we can encourage and kind of spur you on, not nag. This isn't a naggy thing. This is the idea that we want to help. If you're in chair one, we want to help show you who Jesus is so that you may follow him wholeheartedly. If you're in chair two, we're going to show you how to grow like him and we're to be like him, and we're going to help you with that. We're going to help you walk. We're going to help you talk. We're going to remind you day in and day out that you are his, not marked by your past, but marked by who he is. And if you're in chair three, we're going to continue to push you to work hard, but not to lose sight of the relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. Encouragement is so lacking in our world today. Nine times out of ten, most people can tell you a million things they're doing wrong. But they've either lost sight of or they don't want to tell you what's going right in life. The answer is always Jesus. Because he's never stopped working. And we can always enthusiastically run to him no matter what the situation is. We're not thrilled with every situation he allows us to go to. He doesn't call us to that. In fact, he calls us to suffer well, but to know that he's the king and to follow him through it and to not lose sight of him. And there's an enthusiasm with it that my God is bigger than any situation I find myself in. And as I go through it, I'm going to invite others into the journey with me. They're going to help me 
They're going to encourage me and I'm going to encourage them. And it's going to be a give and a take and we're going to do it and we're going to be called the church. Wherever we live, wherever we serve, wherever we worship, those are secondary to knowing Christ and loving others and making him known. And finally, as we make ourselves available, as we faithfully follow where he leads, as we're teachable to what he's opening our eyes to, and as we enthusiastically pursue him and we encourage others, we'll be responsive. We won't naturally respond This doesn't come first. We don't do this naturally, but what do I mean responsive? Have you ever heard a story about a missionary or about a Christian that just did these amazing things and you think, man, I wish I could be like them? Nobody's heard that? (laughs) Okay, well, go think about it or study a guy named Hudson Taylor. You'll want to wish you could have been more like him or any of the Mueller brothers or the list goes on. There's lots, but here's my idea. The premise is simple. We, we put these heroes of the faith way up high, like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and we say, I wish I could be like him. But you know the difference? Was when God said, follow me, they did. Continually, repeatedly, over and over, no matter what the circumstances dictated, they continued to follow after him. They were responsive to the Holy Spirit working in their lives and they went where he led time and time again because they were faithful, they were available, they were teachable, and they were edifying. And in so doing, they were responsive to the great command to love God and love others. And they were responsive to bringing others with them. That's what multiplication, that's what making a disciple is all about. A.W. Tozer was famous for saying, I want to be known as one who followed hard after God. And that's how we finish today. Follow hard after Jesus Christ in every area of your life. Say, God, I am available to you no matter what. God, make me faithful by the power of your Holy Spirit. Teach me, open my eyes to what you would have to make me more like Jesus. Help me to give away the joy that I have in you and to encourage others along their journey. And Lord, give me courage to respond to the big and small task you might have before me. We could go on and on with what this looked like. The relationship aspect of following God is critical. Seek him first, and all these things will be added unto you. So today... Make yourself available to your mom to let her know you love her the way Christ has loved you. Make yourself available to that friend that really needs comforting right now. Make yourself available to what God might do through you if in chair three you said, I will go wherever he leads and I will follow him wholeheartedly. I will take up my cross and go leaving all else behind. I will follow hard after Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I know we've just touched on the depth of what you teach us about following you. But Lord, may we be available to you. Forgive us for telling you we're too busy for you. Help us, teach us what it means to be faithful to you, to our families, 
to our church and to our world. All out of a relationship of drawing people toward yourself. Lord, may we be teachable. May we have soft hearts. May we enthusiastically follow you, encouraging others to do the same. And when you stir, don't let go of us until we've responded, please. In your name we pray. Amen.